Julian Edlow here for DraftKings. The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here. And DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. Conference tournaments, Final Four, to win it all, you name it, it's all available on the DK Sportsbook app. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code ROSS. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code ROSS. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-777 or visit ccp.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort located in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario, bonus bets expire 160 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Live by Live has all of your favorite music, and you can listen for free. Whether you hit play on one of our hundreds of curated music stations or create your own custom artist radio station, you'll find the music you love on Live by Live. Visit livexlive.com or search livexlive in the App Store or Google Play and listen for free now. If you'd like to make your NFL games a little more interesting, you've come to the right place. It's the Even Money Podcast with Ross Tucker and Steve Fezzik. Yeah, Vegas, baby, Vegas. It is the Even Money Podcast Super Bowl recap episode presented by betonline.ag. Just use that promo code PODCAST1 if you haven't already to get a 50% welcome bonus, which is pretty, pretty cool if you haven't used it already. He is Steve Fezzik, the only, say it with me, the only two-time winner of the Super Bowl of professional football gambling, the Westgate Super Contest. Follow him only on Twitter, at Fezzik Sports. I'm at Ross Tucker NFL, Twitter and Instagram, Facebook.com slash Ross Tucker NFL, former journeyman offensive lineman, five teams, seven years, loving the sports betting life, learning a lot, and uh, I did not have a very good year. It's not a secret. I had a bad year. It's a bummer of a year, but lessons were learned, including from the Super Bowl. We will all move forward together. We can do this together. So, Steve, here's what I thought we would do. Obviously, recap all of our Super Bowl bets like we always do. And then also recap the year from a standpoint of how we did. And then start to look at some of the bets for next year that are already out there and available. As well as dive into some email questions because we get some good email questions. And you guys, I mean, you take advantage of any of our sponsors, you're able to go ahead and and get in touch with us. Pretty awesome. You take advantage of any of our sponsors, you can ask Steve any question you want over at Ross at RossTucker.com. So go to RossTucker.com, check out the different sponsors we have, or just rate and review the show, or just... Buy something on Amazon through our banner ad on the homepage over at RossTucker.com. And you can ask Steve anything you'd like, or me, if you want. Let's talk about it. 
And speaking, Steve, of talking about it, let's start with some of our bets from last week and the Super Bowl in general. I got to tell you, Steve, I, I was really surprised. I think, I mean, obviously everybody was that the game was that low scoring. I mean, before we even get into some of the bets that we had and things that we thought, that was, I mean, I know what you feel, you say about the first half and stuff, but man, I mean, that was really something. Agree. I wasn't surprised that the Super Bowl started slowly, as many of them often do, but just shocking that the offense just never picked up, in particular for the Rams, um, the, really the entire game. Right. I mean, wow. You want to talk about coaching and how important coaching is. That was – and it was really good defensive coaching by both sides. So some of the bets that you have, uh, you obviously – said avoid the needle in the stay uh, in the haystack bets um final score first player to score mvp those are probably all pretty good um you know i guess some people might have taken edelman as the mvp but you know that's that probably was, i mean it was a good bet because it came through but even that steve you know you could argue that stefan gilmore or somebody else should have been the mvp yeah, the problem with all those bets is not that they're, they wouldn't be good bets, Ross. It's just that the sports books know that they can shorten the payouts on all the players and people will still bet them. So to give an example, Donald opened 75 to 1, but by the time that the market settled in, he was 20 to 1. And his true odds probably, maybe 75 to 1 did have a little bit of value, but his true odds maybe would be at 60 to 1. So many of these guys that get hyped. By the time that the game kicks off, you're getting cheated blind, literally in terms of what the payout should be versus what you're betting. Wow, that's interesting. Um, first player to score, Goskowski seemed pretty reasonable for that. Yeah, and usually, you know, the props are such that more often than not, people bet first player to score a touchdown. Now, there is a first player to score, but the problem with that is if you break it down, a touchdown's more likely than a field goal, right? So if you have 10 scores, you're going to have six scores that are going to be touchdowns. You're going to have four field goals and two for each side, let's say. So that would be a 20% chance for Guskowski and a 20% chance for Zerline. So when you break out the actual math, yeah, someone's got to score, and then you can always try to justify that was a good bet, but it never is. Hmm. Oh, that's why you're here. That's why I got you as my co-host. So, obviously you say don't bet MVP bets. Odds are far. Payouts are so bad for the best players. Uh, You do like typically, though, over-unders on prop bets like Tom Brady passing yards, correct? Yes, and I, I did have Brady under 300 pass yards, and that's an example of one you want to look for a prop that the public and everyone is betting over an obvious prop and Brady over for past yards and Goff really for that matter were obvious um, proposition bets that the public was going to bet and both of them did cash and of course in a low scoring Super Bowl 
most of the unders are going to cash on the players. So there was a lot of value playing the players to go under. And, of course, the team totals under and things like first quarter under, no score early in the game and the like. And one of my favorite prop that I have bet like the past 10 years is that the, the second half to outscore the first half because first halves usually are lower scoring. That cashed again. That one is now um, 16 Four and one the last 21 years. If there was one prop I'd encourage you to bet next year early before the line moves, it would be second half to outscore first half. Hmm. Uh, you had you bet no score in the first five minutes and 30 seconds. What were the odds for that? That was I had to lay minus a dollar 20 when I bet that, and frankly, I almost lost it. I needed a New England turnover, but um, back it with the theme of their being limited scoring early on. Let's face it, when New England has three points in nine Super Bowls with Belichick and Brady, that has been one fine prop bet to bet year after year. Uh, yeah, that's that makes sense. First quarter under 10.5 was another one that, that you obviously crushed. It was 0-0 at the end of the first quarter, right? Yes, yeah, so um, and I, I think that's the fifth. Super Bowl under Belichick and Brady that finished 0-0. Pretty amazing. It really is. Now, third quarter to outscore the first, as well as second half to outscore the first. Is there a difference in odds between those two, or basically the same thing and same reasoning? It's The odds are a little bit higher in terms of vigorous to bet the second half to outscore the first half. Um, at post, at close, because that prop has been bet, typically gets bet so heavily, but the odds are similar and the reasoning is certainly similar. Right. And so you won on both of those. Uh, so basically, you won on your first four prop bets, Steve. No score, first five minutes, 30 seconds, first quarter under 10.5, third quarter outscore the first, second half to outscore the first. Uh, then it was the Brady. Now, on our podcast, you had Brady passing yards. You took the over 286 on that. Well, I bet that at, I said that I bet that at, op, at the opener because I knew it would inflate. So that was an example of playing for the middle. And I talk about if you're going to, there's certain props on the Super Bowl where if you know a number is going to move like the second half versus the first half, like the quarterbacks, you want to get at it early to go ahead and play it over. So I did play Brady over right when it came out, but I believe by the time the podcast came out, he had already inflated upwards. Um, I can't recall the, the exact, but, but we, I, we did our podcast um, when we did it in the second week of the Super Bowl. I know he was Tuesday, already up in the yeah, mid, it was Tuesday, uh, 290s. I right. I think we did it Tuesday, right? Or maybe it was Thursday. Uh, I can't remember. So, that, so certainly as far as basic strategy, if you're going to bet the quarterbacks to go over, you want to bet it early in the betting cycle of the two-week Super Bowl. If you're going to bet the quarterbacks to go under, you want to do it on Super Bowl Sunday right before they kick off. You know, Brandon Cooks, I bet him under, and that was my big loser. And that was disappointing that they shut him down for much of the game. And then late in the game against more of a prevent defense, Cooks went crazy on his last couple drives. Well, that was the only one I joined you on, um, and I, I put two units on it. It was the best bet, and that hurt. I thought the logic was sound, that, that Belichick wouldn't let him beat him, but 
I mean, 13 targets. And the other thing, too, about that, Steve, is, you know, he could have caught either one of those, you know? I mean, he, he could have caught either one of those touchdown passes that were in his hand. I mean, he could end up having a, a really big game. He could have been MVP. I mean, how much different is the Super Bowl if he just catches one of those two balls in the end zone? Both of those, I would say, were like 50-50 opportunities. And now all of a sudden, we're not talking about um, how New England dominated. We're wondering whether New England even wins the game. Right. And part of that, you know, the one golf I think was just laid on, and both of them were really tremendous, tremendous plays by defensive backs for New England. I mean, the first one was Jason McCourty. The second one was a combination of Stephon Gilmore and uh, Deron Harmon. It was really, really impressive by both. Really impressive. Uh, So that was a big loser for both of us, unfortunately, um, I actually leaned over 56 and a half and lean New England. So lean New England was good, clearly. Uh, leaning over 56 and a half, wow. I mean, talk about off. But really, Steve, I mean, to me, you looked at the last couple of Super Bowls and how high scoring those were, and you considered the two teams that were playing in a dome where crowd noise shouldn't be much of a factor, although I think it actually was a little bit for the Rams, but it can't have been that much. I mean, they just played the Superdome the game before, so it couldn't have been that much of a factor for them. Uh, but clearly, I'm glad I didn't tell people to actually take the over, or I'm, actually, I'm glad I didn't actually make a play on, uh, on the over. I wish I would have, though, on New England, although, like you said, that could have ended up backfiring on me, too. Yeah, it's always um, dicey when you try to dissect any one individual play. And New England, frankly, did dominate the overall stats. So you can make the case that New England should have been ahead by a lot more. Heck, if Hightower picks off Goff to start the third quarter, there's a pick six, and the game's basically going to be done. I think the number one takeaway I had was, remember how Goff, how when he was playing poorly in Chicago and he could just never turn it around, he really got the deer in the headlights look in the Super Bowl that I think it got into his head when he was unsuccessful early and the Patriots made some mistakes, but they were just workmanlike and said, you know what, we've been here before and it didn't phase them. And it really seemed to phase golf. Yeah. You know, I, I hear you, but I thought he actually made st- stood in there and made some good throws in the second half. And in particular in the fourth quarter, like the one, the cooks, in the end zone, I mean, he dropped it in there perfectly. Uh, you know, Gilmore was arm barring his one arm down, and Harmon came over. But I actually thought, I think that's just how his face always looks. He always <laughs> looks like he's got a deer in the headlights going. Could, could well be. You know, I go back to like one of his longest pass completions in the first half, even to Woods. Uh, Woods could well have been out of bounds. He was a little inaccurate with that pass, and the play did not get challenged. It probably was too close to overrule. But um, Goff just seemed a little bit off, and obviously the pass rush New England was able to bring at him and sack at him four times had a lot to do with that. And I do think that the crowd noise, certainly not the New Orleans Superdome, but I think it was somewhat unexpected. Like, you go in and you think, oh, this is going to be a neutral site game. And from what I hear that – 
New England certainly had a huge edge in terms of crowd noise. Yeah, it sounded like that. You also had the Rams as a play if it got to plus three. What did it close at, Steve? Yeah, closed two to two and a half. So the money came in late on the Rams. So that was fortunate for me because threes never popped up. Had I gotten a three, I most certainly would have bet it pretty big. But, you know, I can make the case that the Rams easily could have lost the game by three as it played out in the fourth quarter. Um, certainly if they, um, they had many opportunities to make the game 10-10, probably um, if you look at the bulk of the game and you said what should the final score have been based upon the box score, though, I think um, New England probably should have won the game something like 21 to, to 12. So I think um, the final margin was probably pretty accurate. So I don't know. I'm looking at our, our season totals. And we're definitely 20 out of 46 on our best bet. So it was a rough year on the best bets. I'm definitely minus nine for the season uh, because I only had one bet in the Super Bowl and it was Brandon Cooks under. So I'm minus nine for the season. And I apologize to all the listeners. Um, I'm as disappointed as you are, although... We know I'm up a lot over the course of the show, and even if you just look at last year when I was up like 40 units, combined in two years, I think I'm still up 30 units. So uh, it all, you know, you got to look at the totality. Um, he didn't. He didn't have on his grade, Steve. He didn't have how many units you put on all those other props. Do you know how many you did, or did we just talk about those, or were those official plays? I can't remember. You know, unfortunately, I talked about all the stuff I bet, and I never quantified them as official best bets. So although they all won, Ross, on everything I was speaking about, they're not best bets. They don't go into my record. Yeah, I think the only one that I remember you putting units on was the was the Brandon Cooks, and that missed. So you finished the year up seven units, although I'm sure a lot of our listeners took a lot of the advice you had for all those props, the first four or five that all hit. So... Um, you're, you're, you're up seven units for the year with a big asterisk on that because I'm sure a lot of people followed your bets and ended up doing pretty darn good uh, on the Super Bowl with all those props that... Now, I mean, with all those props cashing in so consistently, do they just keep increasing the juice every year on them? On, you know, second half versus first half, all that kind of stuff? Well, what actually happens is the betters increase the juice. The odds makers, I've always stated, are largely overrated in terms of the information that they utilize. You hear all the time, all the Vegas knows more than you know, and it's, it, it's true, but it's only true because of the betters. When the numbers go up, Vegas does not know more than you do. Think about, you've got college basketball, you've got NBA, you've got golf, you've got so many different things you've got to put up as a bookmaker. You don't have the bandwidth to be able to research each and every prop properly before you put it up. So what happens each year is that the bookmakers put up things like, will the second half outscore the first half? And the line on, on a typical NFL game is pick them when you put up that line. And so because of that, they put it up at pick them, and then the betters get a hold of it, and they know that that second half's a really good bet, and they play it. And then this year, the second half closed minus 180 to outscore the first half. So the line moves, and it's not the odds maker that's moving it. It's the betters that are moving it. Did you hear, Steve? Of course, we're presented by betonline.ag, and I tell people all the time, use the promo code PODCAST1. You get a 50% welcome bonus. But there was a controversy because – 
BetOnline.ag set the over-under for Gladys Knight National Anthem at 1 minute and 50 seconds. And the under was graded the winner at 149 as she said two Braves. However, BetOnline.ag decided to pay out both sides, Steve. Yeah, really nice move by them because in the fine print of the anthem, it clearly states that upon the completion of the first utterance of the word brave, that um, the anthem will be graded upon that. And she finished with, she double clutched the brave at the end and held it out so that if you timed it, it went a full two minutes. But by the letter of the law, it was only 149 and a half and a real nice touch that BetOnline decided to pay out the overs and the unders that were bet on the national anthem. And that is outstanding customer service. So there's a lot of people. And by the way, betonline.ag, using that promo code PODCAST1, that's the key. Look, they, they're getting positive feedback from Steve, positive kudos from other people for you know paying out both sides of that. It looked like um, you know a lot of these other things, you were exactly right, Steve. You start to see the line moving a lot, and that's because somebody knows. People know. Yeah, people are in the rehearsal, and it's timing out at 159 and at two minutes. And think about that. If the rehearsal is 120 seconds and you can play over 110 seconds, you're going to be hard-pressed to find a better bet to make. Um, It's just unfortunate in this case that there was the controversy associated with the uh, rules in terms of when the anthem actually ended. Got it. Um, Taking a look at next year, Steve, we don't have any season win totals. But we do have Super Bowl odds out already, and I want to talk with you about them a little bit more next week because I want to get your thoughts. Uh, but these are all, you know, Patriots six to one, Chiefs seven to one. We could look next week and see where you think that there is value. I guess, you know, in case people want to do it this week. What's your in general? Are these needle in the haystack to you, and you stay away? You prefer the season win total numbers over these, correct? Very much so. I do think they're needle in the haystacks. Every now and then, you'll get value. The one time that I will bet on teams, oftentimes, is after like week two or three of the NFL regular season. Like I was able still able to get the Rams at six to one after week three in the NFL regular season. And that was, I thought, really strong value. Didn't cash. Um, you know, one thing I need to ask you about, Ross, I don't even know if this is on your radar screen with what's going on. I know there are no lines yet on it, but the Alliance of American Football starts this week. Is that a league you've even looked into yet? Well, I'm aware of it, but I haven't really looked at the, at, at the uh, rosters as of yet to have an idea of who I think's better than others. So... I'm not there yet, but um, who knows? That might be something we can be talking about here. There are a decent amount of good players, so maybe that's what we'll be saying for betonline.ag and the promo code podcast one. That'd be fun. I do want to get to one email, Steve, because we've got a little bit of a backlog. People can keep sending them in if they want. Ross at RossTucker.com. Brian, can you hit the email sounder just because I like how it sounds? Ever wanted to ask an NFL player a question? Well, here's your chance. It's time to ask Ross. The email address, ross at rostucker.com. 
you take advantage of any of our sponsors or you just rate and review the show, which is crazy easy on Apple Podcasts, or you go ahead and buy something at Amazon using the banner ad over at RossTucker.com. There's just a lot of easy ways that you can ask us a question. This comes to us from Jeremy, Steve. Thank you for sharing your wisdom with us. We've been talking a lot about teasers this year. The standard teaser charges you 20 points juice for the six-point tease, and both teams must cover. I've noticed that I can sometimes get a slightly better number if I parlay alternative point spreads. Is it worth it for me to play around with parlaying point spreads to get a minus 117 instead of a minus 120 on a six-point teaser? Should I pay the extra juice to cross a key number as in a take eight points instead of six but pay something like minus 150? Is this good betting practice or a new way to lose money? Thank you for the help and keep up the good work. I look forward to the show every week, Jeremy. Wow, is that a good question. It's a complicated question. Let me see if I can simplify it. So there's alternative point spreads that are offered, especially on things like the Super Bowl. So let's use the Rams, for example. So there was an alternative spread that the Rams were plus eight and a half. So what is a plus eight and a half in the Rams? It's essentially the first leg of a teaser. You're getting an extra six points with the Rams. So if you played the Rams in a teaser, the, as it turns out, the way the math works out, that it's about the first leg, you're laying minus 280. I won't get into the great details of it, but if you tease the Rams with something else, you're really playing the Rams essentially on the first leg, plus seven, I'm sorry, plus eight and a half, lay minus 280. So if you could find an alternative line where you could find the Rams plus eight and a half at, say, minus 250, that would be way better than playing the Rams in the teaser because you're getting the same thing, but at 30 cents cheaper. So that would be an example where oftentimes you can engineer a cheaper price than playing the teaser. Uh, during the regular season, a great example, never tease a six-point NFL favorite. Why? Because you can just play them on the money line minus about 245. So why tease them when you're paying essentially minus 280 when you can play them on the money line minus 245? Whenever I see someone teasing a six-point NFL favorite as a recommendation, I know that they're a novice and not a pro because they should know that the money line is so much better there than playing them in a teaser. Got it. Wow. Um, I know that there are times where you tease and there are times where you, you know, you do parlays and you look and you get it a little bit more complicated, but I don't know. I mean, I just feel like I try to keep it simple, stupid. Is that bad of me? No, that's good. It's a good basic strategy, but I will say this, that the one area where the NFL, the sports books in Vegas got destroyed, literally destroyed the most over the years, it's from wise guys betting six-point teasers against them. The odds on those, Ross, used to be uh, risk 100 to win 100, and then it was risk 110 to win 100, and then it was risk 120 to win 100, and now some books are charging one, minus 130, and the reason being is that they've gone through the sports books and queried what the results were, and that's the one subset of all the betting that they've taken in where they've actually lost 
not just for a week or a month or a year, but like lifetime over decades, booking these six point teasers at minus a dollar ten. Got it. That makes perfect sense. And yeah, I mean, I know that's something that you still you still do. That'll do it, by the way, for the Even Money podcast. Remember to send in the emails, Twitter, Facebook, spread the word at Ross Tucker NFL. Steve is at Fezic Sports. Love when you download us multiple times on multiple devices when you're bored watching TV. Why not? Apple Podcasts, always huge. We'll be back next week with a special guest, and we will look at some of those futures odds. You know how Steve feels about it, but we can still go through and just see teams that jump out to us that we agree or disagree. Other than that, good luck, everybody. Hope you guys win some money. Thanks for listening to the Even Money Podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, the Fantasy Feast Podcast, and the College Draft Podcast, all available on iTunes at RossTucker.com or wherever podcasts can be found. Angie's List is now Angie, your home for everything home. Angie still has the same top pros and reviews you've counted on for more than 20 years, only now you'll also get access to all the tools you need to make your home a happy place. Inside, outside, big or small, Angie helps you find the right solution for whatever you need done, all from your phone. It's simple to find upfront pricing and instantly book hundreds of projects. You can even search pricing guides to see what others paid for similar jobs and easily compare quotes from top local pros to make sure you're getting a fair price. From lawn care to repairing the AC to the project of your dreams, Angie has your home projects handled from start to finish. Plus, when you book and pay through Angie, they'll cover your project up to the full purchase price plus limited damage protection with their happiness guarantee. Make your home an Angie home. Check out Angie.com today. And for more on the happiness guarantee, go to Angie.com forward slash happiness hyphen guarantee dot htm.